So hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Satcast with myself, Glenn Price, and my regular co-host, Mr. Ollie Warner. How are you, mate? Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. It's uh, just the two of us. It's, it seems a bit going back to the old school now, isn't it, having two of us rather than a, a guest last week? But um, yeah, Sam Morris unfortunately couldn't uh, join us again this week and we, we, we couldn't find another guest. So uh, just me and the boy Ollie again this week. So yeah, one game to talk about, Ollie. Um, obviously quite a mental game up at Sheffield United. Uh, an unfortunate loss in the end. Uh, quite a close one, but um, lots to talk about, Ollie. An absolutely mental game by the sounds of it. Yeah, it was a um, an interesting day. Um, <laughs> it's probably the first time I've really kind of really, even though we obviously had some hammering and stuff, it was a bit cringing watching some of the highlights back. But um, yeah, it was a, a an interesting game and an unusual game. Um, for those who obviously know, obviously um, Shrewsbury lost and went down to nine men, and it, um, yeah, it, it created quite an unusual game. Yeah, it's not often you see a team go down to nine men, is it? You know, I no. can't remember the last time Shrewsbury went down to nine men. I'm sure we, we probably should have looked that up, really, being professional podcasters, but we didn't. Um, but yeah, it's it, it sounds we're not like you had a, Well, <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> exactly. So, I'm, I'm going to describe myself as semi-professional. Yeah, um, <laughs> semi-professional. So, um, yeah, exactly. We're giving it a go. Um, but yeah, you, it seems like you had quite a nice day up there. We were talking just before about how you'd... Uh, Think you met your brother up there, didn't you? And visited yeah. a few pubs and stuff beforehand, so you got a feel for the atmosphere. And, and yeah, you had, at least you had a bit of a day out and saw some some people, you, you know, sort of relatives at least. Anyway, didn't you? Yeah, no, it was nice. Yeah, I also posted a silly picture as I often do on Facebook of my kind of like away day survival kit. I think you saw that. Um, so I had my um, I obviously an iPhone doesn't last a day, does it? If you're no. uh, out and about, so I've got my trusty charger with me and a, a USB cable. Um, about a million train tickets, um, <laughs> and then yeah, my ticket and that. So yeah, it was quite cool. Um, yeah, my little my little kit. We got quite a few likes and quite a few people sharing and diff what they had. And some people seem to have obviously alcohol in their survival day kit. <laughs> and I saw someone have the uh, a copy of um, 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 the Communist Manifesto as well. So um, someone's yeah. doing a bit of light reading on the train. Yeah, well, I suppose anything to pass the time on the train, isn't it? It's, a, exactly, it's an, interest, yeah. an interesting book to be reading, I suppose, isn't it? But yeah. yeah, I suppose you weren't on the train with too many town fans, were you? Until no. did you have to change at crew or something, and, and then no, I went the other way because I live with Stourbridge, New Street, and then New Street, Derby, Burton, Sheffield, that way. No town friends, didn't really see any Sheffield United fans. So it was really weird, actually. I uh, parked next to a guy in a golf, and I said, oh, I just said to him, "Oh, you must be going to football, having all that electrical stuff." And then I saw him get on the train after the game, and he was a Sheffield United fan. So we parked <laughs> next to each other at the same time, went all the way to Sheffield and back, and then came back on the same train, which is a bit No funny. way! Yeah, it was really weird. That is pretty um, strange. That's strange. quite strange. Yeah, he's a, he said he goes every week. Um, and interestingly, he thinks he's gonna, they're going to bottle it at the end of the season. He's got no confidence they're going to go up. Currently, what's happened the last few seasons to them, you can't really blame him for thinking like that, I suppose. Yeah, but what, were the, what were the pre-match pubs like, Ollie, before we get into the game? Yeah, very good. Yeah, some really good pubs in Sheffield. So I went to the Sheffield Tap, which is a quite a famous pub in the train station. It's got a load of real ales in. Saw a couple of town fans in there. And then, um, yeah, me and my brother, uh, me and my brother quite into my ales. And my brother found a, a microbrewery called um, Sentinel, which was really right. cool and had some really nice scotch eggs and a beer. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> you know, proper kind of like, yeah. You know, Pretty much fair. Yeah, yeah, for me, often going to home games is driving 45 minutes and then basically just walk straight to the stadium. So, yeah, it's quite nice to make a bit of a day of an away trip and have a few beers and that. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, those days are always more fun, aren't they? I think the last time I did that was probably last season when we went to Burton. It was around, was it, it might be New Year's Day or it was certainly around Christmas time, I think, and a bunch of us went on the train. And you always remember those away days a little bit more, don't you, as being a bit more exciting than just sort of trudging up and down the motorway, particularly when we've lost sort of thing. So, yeah. at least you had a good time, Ollie. And, and yeah, there you go. It's a bit of a flavour of the pre-match that you had. But um, I don't think any could, anything could have prepared you for the game, could it? So, I think uh, we will, uh, we'll dip straight in now to the... Uh, to the game and uh, and we'll start having a chat about what the hell went on, Ollie. Revelation Shrewsbury have been full of ideas, full of confidence, and a lot of football. 
So, Sheffield United 2, Shrewsbury Town 1. Um, obviously, that is definitely a scoreline that doesn't tell you the whole story of the day, does it, Ollie? Let's be honest with you. Um, just for anyone that uh, is still catching up with things, uh, Sheffield United got their two goals on first goal, eight minutes from Billy Sharp, who's uh, got a good record of scoring against us now, hasn't he? Um, obviously, then we had a red card for Jim O'Brien. Um, and then soon after, uh, Scougal scored for Sheffield United. I think that's how you pronounce it, on the 24th minute. Um, that was followed by... Um, a go-go's red card then just before half-time, right into injury time, which left us down to nine. And then, obviously, the second half, we're going to probably talk about that creditable second half where we've actually got a goal back and stop them scoring another. Um, and Louis Dodds has gone the 72nd minute. Um, and no, more red cards in the second half, so that was a positive. Um, so, yeah, people were wondering about um, whether Ethan Jones should have been in the squad. He obviously came out in the press afterwards that he'd managed to injure himself in the shower somehow. Uh, we could talk about that, Ollie, and, and wonder how you injure yourself in the shower, but I think we'll probably just... We'll just probably just park that for the moment, won't we? Yeah, I think we should um, look, yeah, comment on that. And also that Wally got injured as well. Don't know whether that's yes. linked or something, but... <laughs> Crikey! <laughs> no, exactly. I don't think it's uh, prison showers, is it? Let's no. be honest with you. But um, no, it's just a shame both of them didn't really make the squad. Particularly Wally would have probably started, wouldn't he? But yeah, we'll come to that and about how he fits into the into the shape, really. But um, yeah, real, real shame that they were both missing, I guess. Um, I think the main news that you probably picked up when you got in the stadium was obviously something we talked about last week, and that was... Um, Halstead keeping his place I'll just run through the team quickly Ollie. obviously Halstead kept his place um, started in goal and then at right back we had Grimmer Lancashire and Al Abt as the centre backs um, no McGiven which is quite interesting and then Brown playing left back as usual um, and then we had four midfielders Deegan, Agogo, O'Brien and Dodds and then Tony up front with Letch Smith so what did you make really first of all really I suppose about Halstead keeping his place and then what did you make of how we set up particularly in the midfield area where it was, where it was quite interesting wasn't it yeah, so um, yeah, so I think it was the right decision to have Halstead back, and yeah, I did a shout out to Sam Morris and got his view on that, and he agreed as well. He thought Halstead should keep his place, so I think that was kind of the majority decision, and most fans agreed with that. Um, obviously, good to see Brown back in the side, a bit of pace at left back. Yeah, um, but though Sadler had been doing well, but it's also great isn't it, to talk about players having to fight in their way back into the team. So that was a positive. And then, yeah, we lined up in the in a kind of what is becoming at the moment our, our normal formation with um, Deegan sitting deep and um, Dodds um, playing uh, as a number 10 with a go-go and Brian, so playing diamond midfield. So, yeah, we set up um, set up as we have been playing recently. Um, but, um, yeah, it didn't quite go to plan. No, I think that when we talk about the shape of the team, it, you know, it's 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 something that we're, we're, we've talked about in the last few weeks about, you know, he's kind of forced down that line of playing the narrow diamond rather than wingers. And particularly we were just talking about Wally, um, obviously not making the team, it would have made him at least maybe consider maybe playing, you know, Dodds and, and Wally out wide and then the two central midfielders and actually playing with a bit more width. But, you know, we're not in that situation at the moment. You've you only got one winger. You're going to have to play the narrow midfield. But I think when you when you come to talk about tactics and goalkeepers and, you know, Lancashire or McGiven and, and Brown getting back in the team, kind of all irrelevant when you're getting players sent off to 20 second, 27 minutes or, or 22nd minutes, sorry, and, um, and goals being conceded after eight minutes. It just puts any kind of tactical plan out the window, doesn't it, really? So, yeah, <laughs> it's all well and good us, us talking tactics all the time, but the games can suddenly get away from you and, it, and suddenly it doesn't matter quite as much, does it, Ollie? No, it wasn't a very good start to the game. So, um, as we kind of expected they started um, really quickly passing the ball around well lots of movement um, and pretty much just kind of dominating our classiness so um, yeah the um, the first goal was a bit of a disaster so, um, so basically it's a punt over the top from defence I'll say a punt but it was a nice ball over the top you know when you get a striker and he's almost so far away from your central defender you, he must be offside it kind yeah. of that kind of feel it um, so yeah, kind of Dodds, um, sorry, Dodds, um, Lancashire just kind of lost Billy Sharp, 
ball over the top and just straight one-on-one with the keeper. And um, yeah. that kind of started what was not a very good half for Lancashire. He had quite a um, quite a poor half. Um, and that was disaster, really, because, yeah, kind of like loads of momentum and, yeah, they were just all over us. It's, yeah, it's right, isn't it? When, you, when you're at these big teams, the last thing you want to do, and I think, again, reflected in Paul Hurst's post-match, which I think we should talk about Paul Hurst's post-match because he seemed pretty pissed off, if you ask me. That yeah, my definitely. General, general description. And I don't honestly think he was just peed off because of... Um, of the ref, which we'll get on to, obviously, he was pretty annoyed with our how we play, particularly in that first 10-15 minutes. You could tell that there was things that he said he was going to have to look at, but we'll come to talk about that. Yeah, but, definitely um, talk about it. Yeah, we missed it last week, really, but there's lots of things, lots, lots of some very important points to kind of like summarise um, from the from the MVF and Paul Hurst's post-match, which was really annoyed, actually, because the groundsman at Sheffield United seemed to be cutting the lawn at the same time as a post-match. It was a bit noisy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so not a good start, we conceded. Um, and then twenty um, second minute, um, they, they were running. T- they had a couple of chances in between that as well, so it's worth just noting that twenty second yeah. minutes, um, play- striker um, runs into the box. O'Brien. Now at the time, it looked like to me like Brian really made a genuine attempt to win the ball. Yeah. Obviously, we were sitting kind of one tier up from behind the goal. We couldn't. We we're obviously quite far away really to see definitively mm. what happened. But I'd have to take the. Um, take the word of Hurst and Hurst said that he's watched it back and he and he definitely touched the ball oh yeah it looks like it on the replay yeah so two things one he went for the ball which is really important with the rules and secondly we think he actually touched the ball so it shouldn't have been a penalty now watching it um, from kind of like the main stand the kind of the main highlights it does look a bit dodgy and it does kind of look like a bit of a penalty it's from behind isn't it yeah it's from behind however the thing about bloody Deadman and the thing where obviously Hurst makes comments and all the Shrewsbury Town fans are pretty annoyed is that the rules they know we have obviously we talked about the start of the season didn't we about how they got rid of the triple punishment yeah, so if yeah. you concede a penalty, you know, you obviously then the opposition gets a chance to score and then, you do, you know, the, the sending off and all that. And the rules state, because I went and bore it as like a geek that I am, I went and checked. And you should only be a red card if the referee thinks that the player made no attempt to win the ball. Yeah. Now, he was so close. Like, it was really, from, from even where I sit, you can see he was really, really close. I have absolutely no idea how on earth he has come to the decision that, that O'Brien didn't try to win the ball. They just stripped him or whatever. Yeah, in a straight red. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it, really? Like, you know, it, those attempts to play the ball type ones, it kind of, for me, more covers things like, you know, the wrestling around in the box where you know that is a penalty and that can potentially be a red card or or you know a last man scything challenge where you're you're scything you're you're going across a player but the ball's already gone sort of thing that definitely wasn't definitely wasn't the case and, yeah. and from the from the replay it's that deviation of the ball isn't it that um that is is telling because there's for there's no reason for the striker to have knocked the ball that way do you know what i mean he's in on goal the next thing he's doing is shooting to be fair so it doesn't look you know great for us and it doesn't look great for deadman on the replays um but then it does also look slightly concerning because it was from behind. And, yeah. You know, maybe Paul Hurst is right. And, and, you know, we're probably one of the biggest bunch of fans in the country to be laying blame at Darren Deadman's door because he has refereed us numerous times and been terrible. Having said that, we've already said on this podcast, the last time he refereed us, he was pretty good, wasn't he? So yeah. it, it may be, maybe he was just getting that out of his system so that he could really shaft us the next time. So, um, But to me, it was... It, it, it was not a red card. Even if it was a penalty, it shouldn't have been a red card going on the rules that we talked about pre-season. And that's the most frustrating thing because once, once that happens, um, then that's game gone, isn't it? And once down to 10 men away at Sheffield United, you, you can't see us getting anything out of it then. And it's just backs to the wall, try and defend and, and be, be as manful as you can going forward. Yeah, no, it's... Um... He he ruined the game at that point and made a mistake. So it's good. I hope that Shrewsbury Town um, appeal 
Um, mm. And if he does appeal, um, we do if we do appeal. Well, from from my view, I see no reason why we can't reappeal that red. And it'll always give us some vindication that um, he absolutely made a balls up there. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we're going to probably appeal a red card, but you know we we should talk about Paul Hurst as well at the end. You know, you you can't really say I don't know if the referee knows the rules. Normally, that ends up with you getting a fine from the FA. So yeah. on one hand, we might we might be getting a telling off from the FA, particularly considering our disciplinary record. But do they notice this stuff at this level though? Because unless the referee makes a comment of it I doubt it they'll, they'll they will notice it I don't know yeah, well, knowing, knowing dead money will probably report us won't he? Let's put, just put the final name in our coffin yeah, of that maybe. game and just get us a nice 10-15 grand fine and, and it's not like the Premier League is it where everyone's seen it on match of the day and then kind of the, the FA committee kind of know well, about it but in all seriousness, if Jose Mourinho did that, and he does it quite a lot, doesn't he, about his talking about referees, and he's always been reprimanded for him once a season, I actually think that Paul Hurst should probably get into trouble for it, because yeah, I do oh, like yeah, that rule to be, it'd be interesting that rule to should be applied. Be, yeah, I just yeah. think it'd be interesting if he actually gets caught, because of being the yeah. league one team, but... Um... Yeah, no. It's Hopefully, a... most of the press had gone by that point because it was so cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as long as we can, you know, get into Shropshire Radio and expel, expunge the uh, footage of it happening, we might get away with it. But yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that one, Ollie, because um, I was thinking about you know potential ramifications of that and how you know it doesn't have an impact on whether we appeal or not. It's doing unrelated things, but um, yeah, we seem to be making ourselves quite uh, quite popular with the FA disciplinary panels. I suppose we haven't had to. They must they must see us at the top of that table and think about all the red cards we'd had and. And we've talked about it before, Ollie, but, you know, was our disciplinary record in Darren Deadman's mind already? Was was he willing to lash out red cards? And we've obviously had another one later on because he's aware of the problems we're having about, you know, staying on our feet, committing tackles that, you know, aren't robust and, and borderline red and yellow cards. You know, it it does wonder, make you wonder, like we talked about the other week, as to if it is still in referees' minds because of our, our current situation, I suppose. Yeah, it's funny, actually. Um, I've just seen, um, just, on, um, just on Facebook, just... Um just got in the background as we're doing this and um, Dave mm. Mateus is just obviously he's just obviously catching up and he said the O'Brien one is bonkers it's not a foul if it's a foul it's not a red woeful decision which is quite a nice summary just kind of completely balls it up but I guess the uh, the only highlight we can take from them positive is obviously Halstead saved the penalty but it was a pretty yeah. pathetic penalty to be honest it was just to his left and he just kind of yeah. like pushed it up and it went out for a corner yeah I don't think look while he's not got, got a very good record of saving penalties to be fair you know we'll talk about the keepers again but yeah, that you know, at least he saved one. I suppose yeah. it seems like it's been a while since we had a, we saved a penalty. So, so yeah, well, yeah, that was the start of a numerous amounts of saves that he made in the game, wasn't it? Obviously, yeah. from that point, we were back to the wall, and um, he he was absolutely superb, wasn't he? But um, yeah, so that was twenty second minute in, and then obviously, uh, next goal came pretty soon afterwards. Ollie, what did you make of that one from where you were? Uh, classic town for pre Miller <laughs> era, um, really poor. So corner deep in. Um, to back um, for some reason no one picked him up um, Hurst had mentioned that someone would plan to be a free man but obviously when you've got a man sent off you can't have any free men you know in terms of yeah. so we should have picked him up basically headed it back across and tapped into the back of net really poor really um, and yeah it was just very very poor I won't summarise the first half yet because there's still one other thing we need to talk about but yeah the yeah. P- very very poor um, defending from a corner and kind of sloppy town that we've seen all season and then yeah Go on, I was going to say, he's, Hurst, we've, we've described his mammoth task, and that still seems to be the biggest task of it, isn't it? That aerial ability, that way of defending set pieces and corners. And, and if it wasn't for Halstead, I believe we could have probably conceded from corners and set pieces three or four times in that game, Ollie. It wasn't the only easy chance we coughed up from a corner or a set piece by the sounds of it. No, it wasn't good. First half was really poor. So, um, yeah, so I guess just probably just before we kind of summarise the first half, a go-go. So... Uh, 
yeah, at the time I it was so I'm sitting I'm sitting to the kind of left hand side of the of the goal behind the goal, and it yeah. looks like he's going for fifty fifty, um, and he goes to ground, but both of them kind of go in for challenge. Gogo looks like he goes in harder. Um, at the time, I'll be honest, I was quite surprised it was a red. Mm. Um, I don't know. You, well, you what, what do you, what's your view? And obviously, watching it, you've seen the highlights. Yeah, I, th- I probably should mention, really, I, we talked about your experiences on Saturday of, of having a nice trip up on the train and getting some pre-match ales down you and enjoying a big match out at Sheffield United. I, I was stuck Christmas shopping for the first 25 minutes of the game. Awful. So I I, <laughs> I was listening to it on my earphones. I was trudging around trying to buy some sort of Christmas presents and birthday presents for my wife because she's, she has her birthday just before Christmas. So um, I, I was I was listening to it on the radio. Now, on the radio, they were very similar to you. They thought it was harsh, I think, it would be the, the general reaction. I've since then got home, obviously, like most town fans, and I'd look at it on a replay. And I think if that was against us, I would have been saying, "Bang on red card, committed." It, it's slightly two footed, isn't it, from a long way out? There's no and, and no reason to make the tackle there. Do you know no. what I mean, Ollie? I know I know they were battling, and and they were probably very, very felt very aggrieved by what the referee had done in that first half, but. I, I remember reading some stuff online during the evening saying that, you know, it's not good game management from a go-go. And we've talked about game management quite a lot, haven't we, about El Abd and away at Berry, and, and we've talked about it in other situations. And it's surprising that it was a go-go that got sucked into to doing something like that because I would have considered him to be one of the ones that's consistently been head-screwed on, not letting himself get taken in by things like that. So it, it, it is a moment of... Um, Silliness, and I think it was definitely a red card. Personally, from from replay, obviously I wasn't there, but um, yeah, I, I don't think we've really got a leg to stand on for appealing anything on that one, have we? No, we haven't. No, it was definitely a red. So yeah, I was watched it, and that was where I kind of like a bit cringy watching the highlights back. I was like, ah, yeah, that was a red. He was two footed off the ground, and also yeah, if like it, you don't win the ball, you know your, your idea when you go into tackles, you want to try and keep the ball. He was never going to even keep the ball anyway. The best thing he was going to do was he was going to bounce off somewhere else. And yeah, it was a reckless challenge and um, an, an unlikely... Um, it, I mean, we haven't seen a go-go do that a lot this season. He, no, he goes no. in hard for challenges, but it was, it was reckless and yeah, definitely deserved a red. And I, I don't hope that the club don't try to appeal that. Yeah. We, I mean, if we're talking about discipline a minute ago. We should probably talk about where we stand at the moment because we're on the verge of being in a, a bit of a sort of um, suspension ridden next few games because a go-go will get a three-match suspension for that tackle, only straight red. Uh, Brian, it was a straight red, wasn't it, for a Brian? He hadn't been booked before. Yeah, already. straight, uh, straight red. Yeah, straight red. And there was some discussion that potentially, like we're, we're talking about the fact he got straight red. There was there's some chat, and we should have mentioned this before, that it might have been because he was back chatting Deadman or giving him giving him some verbals. So it'd be interesting to see whether that gets reported because if it is, then he'll get a suspension for the red, and he might also get more games. Yeah, for the, for the old display. I've watched that. I'm not sure what anyone made of that. I've looked back at the look back at the highlights. It doesn't look anything more like a normal player. That's like. What are you doing? He looked completely like hands on head. Like I, I can't believe you've given a penalty for a start. And maybe do you think he said anything nah. in that moment that might have run? Nah. No, I don't, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think tell, so. Can you? No, I don't think. I, I, for me, just he just seems in in pure pure shock. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's well, that's my view on it anyway. I yeah. I think it's just pure shock and yeah, it's very poor. Um... So. We're missing two central midfielders, probably two of our more key central midfielders for at least the next three games, and that includes, I think it includes the FA Cup, doesn't it? So they'll be out of the FA Cup home game against Fleetwood, the away game at Fleetwood, and then the next match after that. But we've also got Alabd, he's back up to another game, booking away from a suspension. And then Deegan and Tony have both had nine yellow cards already this season. Nine yellow cards yeah. each they've had. That's unbelievable. So if any of them get a booking, then they're obviously going to be suspended for the FA Cup game. Um, so if any of those three get booked on Tuesday, we'll be missing a Brian, a Gogo, and potentially one of the other three. So... That's fine. There's then a cut-off point in November where it all gets rescinded, I think it's at the end of November. So 
After, I think after the Port Vale game, you can't you, you go back to sort of scratch. Okay. So hopefully that'll help us out a little bit personally because with all these people sort of on the verge of, of getting more suspensions, we've got to. It's not going to make old Paul Hurst's job very easy going forward, is it? No, it's not. It's not. So um, yeah, first half um, defensive mistakes returned. Um, very very sloppy marking on corners and and on both goals conceded. Um, and obviously, return of a bit of ill discipline. I think, obviously, a town fan um, who didn't go to the game and hasn't really heard much about it will just see two red cards, and one of them shouldn't have been a red card, and a go goes was a red card. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I guess the only, I think to be fair, it could have been four or five nil at half time. Um, they, 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 their finishing was quite poor, and if Billy Sharp had had a, um, a sharper day and he'd been on a bit more form, he, he could have scored a hat trick in the first mm. half. I guess the only positive really was um, AJ um, Leach Smith did have a good opportunity and got past the striker. Uh, sorry, past the striker, past the defender, and had a shot on goal. But that was about the only real positive um, from the first half. Yeah, time. I, I, I saw that about Billy Sharp. At the Lewis Cox, the uh, Shropshire Star reporter, had said he he couldn't believe that Sharp hadn't got a hat trick by half time. He should have already been walking off with the match ball at half time. It was that many chances they'd missed. I mean, we, we should really sometimes talk about the opposition team. I know we're a huge town park. What did you make of Sheffield United across the whole game? I know we'll talk about the second half in a minute, but you know, what do you what did you make of them in, and their sort of ongoing attempts to get out of this division? Do you think, you know, in the two games we've seen, what do you really make of Sheffield United? Because it's, it's almost two different performances we've seen, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a step above everyone else. Um, yeah, you still recognise Yeah, that? they're very solid at the back. Um, their passing and movement is excellent. Um, and then they've just got yeah, clinical strikers that... Billy Sharp's just a they've got quite. I think it's fair to say they've got a couple of championship players, and they probably pay championship wages for them. Yeah, um, yeah. and no one else in the league um, really has that. Um, obviously, Scunthorpe are doing well, and Bolton might have a couple of championship players within their squad, and for when they came down. But um, yeah, they're definitely a class above everyone else. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I think I didn't see the game obviously, but I think that most town fans were saying that it is one of those ones where I think we would have expected to lose, wouldn't we? We would have we would have hoped we battled manfully, but I don't think that we're changing our view from the home game that Sheffield United should be in the top two at least at the end of the season. So we've got to counter this result with that thought, really, haven't we? Yeah, and if I forgot to use the stats, I'd look to it. I actually look back at their results. Um, they'd learned that they'd won their last four games in all competition, and they hadn't yeah. lost a league game since the twentieth of August. Crikey. So, yeah, they're doing really well. And where Shrewsbury, on the other hand, had only won um, one in the last 10 league away games. Mm, yeah. Obviously, a bit of a mini yeah. revival under Hurst, but yeah, chalk and cheese in terms of form. They're flying high, and um, yeah, we're struggling to get into gear. Which is what which brings us to the second half, I suppose. Aren't you? Yeah. Because that then obviously was completely different from what we might have expected. And and I was listening to the radio, and it and it seemed to be chance after chance being missed. And then as this half went on, it was becoming apparent that Mark Alstead was having one of those performances that a goalkeeper put, puts in every sort of two or three years, making saves from all over the shops, clearing it off the line, poking them off over from the corner. And so you know, before we talk about the specifics of it, he was incredible in the second half, wasn't he? By the sounds of it. Yeah, he did. He, he had a lot. He had a lot of opportunities to to put in a good performance. With a lot. <laughs> shots on goal but yeah he did and the whole and the, the nine players on the pitch um did themselves proud you know they did work incredibly hard uh, a bit worried that obviously we've got a tuesday game coming up because um, hopefully they went to bed early and drank lots of water because they're going to need to recover quickly um maybe we actually need to do a few changes for the next game uh, if you obviously forced through suspension stuff but i doubt it i doubt it o'brien will be cleared in time yeah I, I, you know, it, it's funny you say that about, about saving players and fitness and tuesday night game being more important really once the sheffield united game had gone i guess 
um, that we're obviously going to be more concerned about Fleetwood, who are obviously at an away game we should be targeting, you know, a better performance and potentially getting some points from. So what do you, what do you make of Tony and Letch Smith going off at half time? Do you think that was tactical, or do you think that was with an eye towards Fleetwood? Because I think he must have thought chances are we're not going to get anything out of this game and I probably want my front two fit. I don't want them running and chasing balls for another 45 minutes and just killing themselves. Yeah, I'm not sure what um, what what which um, post match you had the chance to hear. There's kind of like almost like three. There's the there was the one that was on the radio. Yeah. There was the one that was released by the club on audio boom, and then there was the full one on the club um, shoes player. And the, the the one I listened to actually, Stuart Dunn asked the question straight out, and he said, oh, good. "Well, he kind of asked him a question, but more of a statement." And then yeah, he took both um, Tony and um, Leach Smith off for for Fleetwood. That's sensible. So, completely sensible. Yeah. So obviously that kind of, can, I think that enables us to. We got a few messages, didn't we, when um, um, when um, um, Epants Blake came on uh, because obviously Blinded. we were quite critical of him last week. And yeah. um, and I specifically said he would never play for Shooting Town again <laughs> under Paul Hurst. So but, but then yeah, there you, you go. Well, this just backs up my. As, I, I always talk about mum's podcast, don't I? But when, when I was listening to the game with mum and dad's in the well after I got back from shopping I popped to mum and dad's and um, I thought well I'll stay here and listen to the match whilst because uh, they always have a radio shop on and um, my mum basically said y- you didn't you say last week he was never going to play again and I was like yeah she shows my mum listens doesn't it and then she was like your predictions are rubbish Glenn so <laughs> yeah she's still on my case Ollie nothing's changed uh, um, well to be fair, in your defence Glenn let's, let's, let's come to your defence <laughs> he only brought him on because um, he just wanted someone else on the pitch just to run around yeah. a lot so I think he decided that I was disappointed. I think, no, in hindsight, at the time, I thought, no, you should have kept Leach Smith on because he's got legs. But then, actually, he's the, this is why Hurst, Hurst while he's young, you know, he's managed 400 games and 400 games worth of um, experience came across there. And he was like, no, I'll bring on a player that clearly he doesn't rate just to tell him mm. to run around a bit. Um, and then he did, and he did run around a lot and he did put a lot of shift in. Um, he held the ball at one or two times, but having two men less against a, a really good side, it was just too much. So, yeah. So, yeah. So Black came on for Tony yeah. and Ebon um, Spade came on for Leach Smith or well, what vice versa, whatever. And um, yeah, we kind of played a, a 4-3-1, but basically it was backs to the wall and um, a bit of a trading session really is defence versus attack. Yeah. And it, it sounded, I mean, it should just say with Seb coming on, it, 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 that's the shame, isn't it? That we were talking about Ethan Jones is that he probably, probably, he probably would have come on and got 45 minutes under his belt and got him back involved with the first team. But there we go. Um, but it doesn't just sound like Halstead played well in the second half. You know, it sounds like the defence actually manned up, stood up, and made some unbelievable blocks and some and some goal line clearances. I believe Alab made one off the line. I haven't seen the extended highlight yet, so I haven't seen all of these. But on the radio, Stuart Dunn and um, Nick Southall, who's, who's the new guy, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Actually. Yeah. Um, uh, they were really impressed with the defence and how they did stand up to the task in the second half and obviously aided by the midfield as well um, in terms of the fact they just put everybody behind the ball and said, come on, try and break us down. And actually Sheffield United, sometimes they, they were breaking us apart and having chances, but as, as you say, it was their finish that let them down rather than the chance creation. Yeah, their finishing was really poor. We had a, quite a few. Halstead did have a really good second half. Um, there was a few weird ones where like it hit the post and hit Tony, um, Brown's knee and went out and there was a yeah. few last minute block from El Hab and Lancashire had about half. Everyone, you can't fault the players in the second half. They all worked there, they worked the balls off um, and they put a shift in and we won the second half 1-0 which is obviously a little yeah. kind of a moral little victory. But yeah. It's unbelievable that really. Yeah, no, it was good and I think it was also for me to see that... Um, um, Hurst obviously rates um, Dodds. He mentions him in the about how he's monitored him and seen him for the last few years, and he's a player that he's admired. 
but he worked yeah. really hard as well. And yeah, the whole midfield really um, put a shift in. And I think probably worth just stating that. So the the stats after the game were um, 61% possession to um, Sheffield United, which is not that surprising. But more, mm-hmm. but interestingly, to put into context who weren't there, Sheffield United had 30 shots and 20 corners. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never seen 30 shots and 20 corners. So it just kind of shows well, how one-sided it was. I suppose it's interesting, isn't it, that we always complain about conceding from set pieces. But actually, if they had 20 corners and only scored from one of them, that's probably way better than our record for the rest of the season. So yeah, there's a positive. <laughs> maybe, we're actually, maybe, maybe we're actually getting better at defending corners. We're getting a lot of practice. So yeah, we that, did, That's yeah. also a benefit. It's, see, we're always trying to look for the positives. So let's say we, we defended 19 corners well, or kind of maybe well. They probably had a lot of chances. But... Yeah, it, it's not it's not good reading when you look at the statistics from afar, is it? But um, no. we, the the goal from Dodzo was an absolute cracker, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a good goal. That. And um, it sounds like yeah, Brown seemed to do really well getting down the wing as he usually does in his sort of attacking defensive, sort of attacking as a defender. Um, and what finish? Yeah, looked great. Was that in front of the town fans? Or yeah, was that it was in front end? of the town fans as well. Yeah, so, oh, brilliant. So we'd caught the ball. We'd we'd managed to keep the ball and have a little bit of play. We managed to get a throw in. Brown threw it to Deegan. Deegan passed it back to Brown. Yeah, Brown crossed it, and Dodds come flying in, kind of like a ninja kick into the back of the net. Um, and then he um, he put he went to the town fans. Town fans went mad. Um, and then um, he put his finger up to his mouth because he's I think he's a Sheffield Wednesday fan as well. Um, yeah. And then he ran back, and then everyone. But the town fans enjoyed that, and town fans were excellent again in the second half. Sheffield yeah, right. actually does. We were talking about other clubs. Sheffield United fans are atrocious absolutely oh atrocious they were battering us in the first half and they probably did one or two songs in the whole 90 minute game they were really weird, poor yeah you'd think 20,000 and you think they'd at least put a couple of chants together but no and I've seen online they were commenting that Shrewsbury fans were quite good and we were seeing at this point we only need nine men so um I, I put that on Twitter. I thought that everyone would be chanting that. Yeah, so uh, no, it's it is the sort of thing I'd have been chanting if I was there. I wish I'd have been there when that goal went in, but not for the rest of it. It's, it's strange you say that about Sheffield United fans, because I'd always consider them to be... You remember when they were at our place earlier in the season, they were amazing, weren't they, to be fair, at ours. They didn't stop chanting the whole game. And so it's strange, you know, it's you tend to get a, a poorer atmosphere at home than you do as the small travelling bunch of away fans, don't you? But yeah, 20,000 fans, you'd think they'd make more noise, because... We played Bradford, didn't we, earlier in the season? And they had, what, 17, 19,000 like that? They were really loud, really vociferous the whole game. So I would have thought, if I'd have been there, the United fans would have been more like the Bradford fans, but it doesn't seem like it was by the sounds of what the town fans were saying. No, not at all, not at all. Yeah, so, I wonder why. Yeah, so, Probably too easy too easy for them, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, I think there maybe it's a little bit of air of expectation from their fans. But yeah, let's probably, let's probably jump ahead now, because otherwise we'll... Um, summarise and we end up repeating some points so I'll quickly do my top three and then maybe let's talk about Paul Hurst's comments yeah so Housestead number one um, and then Dodd's second um, I'd put Dodd's second one because he scored his goal but secondly he really worked hard so he's a number 10 you know the kind of Ozil kind of like Shrewsbury Town's version of Ozil uh, but he actually worked <laughs> really hard and watching the extended highlights back you kind of I've noticed him quite a few times and he really put some shifts in to get back when he when he tried to support um, Ebanks Blake up front. So I put him second because he um, did really well. And then the third, I went yeah. for Deegan because he didn't get sent off and um, <laughs> he didn't do too much wrong. I was really struggling for a third one. He got booked though, didn't he? Yeah, he did get booked, but that's not surprising. Um, he did, <laughs> he, he put a shift in as well. So I think maybe Grimmer and Brown... Um, and El Hab might say, well, what have I done wrong? But they haven't really done anything wrong. Lancashire had a pretty poor game, to be honest. Very mm. poor first half, but we'll come on to that. And yeah, so so not great. But so they're my top three. And then yeah, let's let's go on to um let's go on to her. So you at the start you were saying that um 
he made a few comments about how what his thoughts were on the game and in terms of what he had to say at half time. So I don't know if you want to share that, Glenn. Yeah, I noticed you've written down things. I think you've seen more of the interview than I have because I say I only caught the short bits and the, the the main bit to get picked up out of that was the the criticism of the referee and and the the phrase I'm not sure he knows the rules, which as we've discussed a minute ago, could potentially get him into yeah. trouble. But I think I'm just reading your comments here. You, you'd said that he sort of showed a different side of himself today. Yeah, and, that's what you and said. to me, again, look, yeah, to, oh, and to, to me, um, I think that meant, because that was in the bit I saw, I think that meant that he obviously was a bit of Mr Nasty today because he looked annoyed and he obviously might have had some proper serious words with him at half-time because his demeanour at the end of the match was not that this is my new job, it's gone well, it's all started well. It was like, right, I'm a football manager here now and I'm not going to take this sort of SHIT every week. We can't be doing this sort of thing. And I'm told the lads that straight. That's the vibe I got from it, Ollie. I don't know whether you think the same. Yeah, no, he did. And it's interesting because... He sounds like he did a yeah hairdryer at half time, but then he also in his interview follows it up saying that he discussed some of the mistakes they made with the afterwards and was a bit more analytical um, and a bit more constructive potentially after the game. But yeah, first half he first half um, he had lots of um, things to criticise and it was just sloppy. And I think that's what he was most frustrated about is that you know under his um, under Hurst we haven't been sloppy and we've been doing some of the basics. And yeah, the, the players let themselves down and um, particularly Lancashire he was. Lancashire and Ogogo, two guys that really let him let let the team down, um, mm. and it was very frustrating. But it's, it's but I guess trying to look for a positive, yeah, he showed a different side of Hurst. And actually, if you compare Hurst to Mellon, maybe Mellon, I don't know, was he a bit soft? We never really kind of got that impression that he would ever really criticise the players or really have a go. We don't know. Obviously, we've never yeah. been in the dressing room, Mickey Mellon, but Hurst seems to definitely have that edge to him. Um, mm. And it was yeah, he didn't like. I don't think you want to mess with him. No, really. it's quite small. At the moment, it's, especially he's... when he's re- thinking about revamping this squad, you know, he could quite easily cut players out here and say, you know, I've given you a chance here and if you let me down more than a couple of times, I'll be looking to move you on in January. Uh, I'm glad, that he, I'm glad though, that he came out and spoke like he spoke, Ollie, because it, it's just, it is it would have been too easy to come out and placate town fans by saying, yeah, but what an incredible second half from the lads, you know, down to nine men and we've basically won that half one nil and he was proud of that and he did talk about that later but I like the fact that that wasn't the first thing he mentioned he mentioned that he wasn't happy with certain things in that game first then he talked about the positives I think that that's I think I'm quite happy with that kind of approach because it, it leads me to believe that yeah well all right we did some good things and I'm happy the fans were appreciative of that but number one thing I'll be doing Monday morning is figuring out why the, the rubbish at the start of the game happened again and I want to eliminate it so long may that continue he can quite happily pick out our faults and our problems in press match conferences because we never used to get that with Mickey did we he used to just say well I'm going to have to look at that or I don't know what I'm doing or not he said didn't know what I'm doing but he used to say you know more general meaningless phrases about what was going on instead of being very specific about things so hopefully Paul Hurst is more specific about where the problem areas are without throwing players into the yeah, bus yeah that's what I was going to make that point then yeah he did it without he was critical and that obviously you know the, you know, the 500, 600, 700 town fans that went um you know, they would have seen the mistakes we made. Everyone was talking about it. You know, he's, he's not, he's, there's no, you know, the fans are aware of the mistakes, but he does point it out, which gives you confidence. And yeah, it just makes you feel like he's not just trying to pull the wool out of your eyes. But at the same time, yeah, he didn't criticise any of the players in public, which I think is probably a bit a step too far. So no, I was mm. quite pleased. And yeah, he, he was also quite, in, in, also found his comments about a go-go sending off, where obviously, obviously he was asked about that. And he said that he doesn't want to take the fight out of the players. Um, yeah. he said he'd have to watch it back and he wasn't 100% sure what actually really happened there so so at least he was being fair but um, no it was another good um, post-match interview with Hurst yeah he didn't have a very easy game or day did he really because obviously on the field it went completely awry and it sounds like he got a bit of 
abuse. I think is he, is he a Sheffield United fan, a Sheffield Wednesday fan as well? Yeah, he is. Sheffield, yeah, he, that area. And so he obviously got quite a lot of grief off of the Sheffield United fans, and I think they were calling him names, weren't they? Yeah, I think. He Did called, you hear any of them? No, we didn't. Didn't hear any of them. But yeah, I saw a couple of things on Twitter. Some guy was um, saying some nonsense to Lewis Cox on Twitter, and then he was started saying something derogatory about um, Paul Hurst, as if like Paul Hurst was fat or something. And he, but, yeah, that's what yeah. I read as well. That they were they'd call him like a bit of a fat, a fat midget but, is basically what I think they describe him <laughs> as, which seems a bit harsh considering he's neither fat or particularly short. If 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 that's fat, what am I? Yeah, you need to get running a bit more, mate. I do need to get running. I want to get rid of this cold. Definitely going to be running more. But yeah, no, it sounds like he had a bit of abuse, but to me, didn't seem to care. He seems like he's quite quite thick. You water for ducks back, isn't it? To a football manager, well, you hope it yeah. is. You know, any manager that takes anything that gets shouted out from the size of the pitch that much to heart is probably in the wrong job, and they're probably not quite got the temperament for it. So um. Yeah, I think he's. I think we're starting to see the harder edge of him, aren't we? And um, that's certainly something I think I'm liking, uh, and I think that's something we definitely need in a relegation fight. That's the kind of manager that we want, isn't it? To sort of be hard on him and make sure you you are delivering what we need to get us out of trouble. Yeah, and hopefully, can he, obviously I get the impression from Hurst is that yeah they're going to be working on these things. So it'd be interesting to see what response. It'd be interesting to see the team. Mm on Tuesday night when you go to the Fleetwood game and it'd be interesting to see what response we get. And then obviously then we've also then got a couple of, um, we've got a home game against Port Vale. So it'll also be interesting to see what they do in the week and how he corrects these mistakes we've made. So yeah, so no, um, upward onwards. I guess before we just kind of close off the game, if there's any other comments, Glenn, probably just worth doing the three word match report. Yeah, go on. But, and is there anything else? Any other comments on the... No, as I say, I, I listened to it on the radio, so my, my view of it really was, was um, other than the highlights, was what, what Stuart Dunn and Nick Southall were saying. And I think it's fairly similar to what we've just been talking about, really. And I think it should yeah. it should be, you know, that we should be giving the the players that stay on the pitch, like you did, that, that praise for that second half performance, because that is quite unusual to, to, to win a half against a team that look like they're going to go up with just nine men. That that doesn't happen very often. So I think they, they deserve some credit no. for that, for sure, like you, you actually um, pointed out. Um, and yeah, I think the other thing to just briefly talk about is where it leaves us in the league, because obviously we could have, you know, started to pull ourselves up a little bit after that, couldn't we? But now we're still not bottom. Thank, thankfully, Chesterfield is still absolutely rubbish. Um, but it, again, the gap stays at five points, and a couple of the teams that were sort of drifted above that one at the weekend, didn't they? Like Oxford, have got away from us a little yeah. bit. So not great. But at least Berry lost. <laughs> I, can, I can't believe we're six points behind Berry. Berry are in free fall. Yeah, they they sacked their manager. Um, obviously, they're. Um, their books, their financial books, um, seem. I don't want to make any comments on their books. <laughs> it could be libelous or something, but don't, there's something going on there. Something because they seem to be in trouble with um, the tax or something. I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot of new noise about it. Yeah, and they lost five one away at um, at um, Wimbledon. So hopefully they'll carry on falling. But um, but yeah, sorry. Just going on to let's just close up on the well, three word. Well, we talk about Barry. Did you see that? That I think it's Tom Pope plays from or one of their players played from, and his post match quote after they lost five 0 because I think they played Wimbledon in the cup or something, or they played them in the league a week or so ago, or maybe both. But he said Wimbledon have scored twelve goals against us this month, and they're not even very good. <laughs> so that, that kind of shows what <laughs> the Barry players are thinking at the moment. They must have their heads spinning because they were like right at the top and they've come right down. But just just before you move on from that, you look at the teams down here now. You've obviously got. Um, Barry you've changed their manager but it doesn't seem to have helped but you've also got an MK Don situation and the, the discussion about whether Stephen Gerrard's going to be their manager and you'd, you'd like to think that he's well you'd like to you think that he's probably only going to take that job if he's given significant funds to get them out of relegation trouble so you might have to start thinking that MK Don's might be the one that are going to strengthen the most in January and pull away which then thins out that sort of number of teams because if you look now we're, we're 8 points behind Walsall in 17th um, so that's a fair, it's a fair gap up to the sort of mid-table, well, lower reaches of the mid-table. So we, we can't really afford to not be getting something out of games like Fleetwood. And, and Fleetwood are 10th. 
they're doing all right. They're 11 points ahead of us. So when you start to look at the table, you know, games like Fleetwood away, which we might have thought were, were sort of more, you know, going to be the ones that we should be targeting. They're not there. None of these games are going to be easy from now on. Vale are 11th as well. So, you know, the next two teams are against teams in the in the top 11. So it's going to be tricky. Yeah, we've we've played a lot of the teams that are in the lower yes, half, haven't we? Have, we? Yeah. So MK Dons, Oldham, um, Berry, um, Warsaw, Oxford, Chillingham, Charlton. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite a few. But um, I don't know. Mm. Let's see. I hope fingers crossed. Tuesday night can be a Turning get point. back on track. Cool. So just quickly three word match reports, and then we'll move on to um, Salah media news. <laughs> um, so um, so uh, Matt Ashton was an epic comeback. Roger was um, Darren Deadly show, which is. We didn't really say much about Darren Dadashi. Just say that he's one of those referees, like a he's like a League Two version of um, D, um, what's that guy Dean? What's his name? That referee in the Premier League is always about himself. He just walks around like he's the owner. No, of the show. He's just Mark Clanberg, you're thinking, aren't you? Is Mark? Yeah. Cl- is it? No, is it Mark? He's a, the, the he's, guy with the bald head. No, uh, no, Howard Webb. He's the old bald headed no, guy. No, Dean. What kind of his name is anyway? Premier I don't League. watch much Premiership football anymore, Ollie. Just, just. Just so far above where we are, it just kind of leaves me a bit cold <laughs> nowadays. Anyway, there we go. Mike Dean, that's it. Mike Dean. Yeah, Mike Dean, that's it. That's the guy's name. But um, yeah, oh, he's yeah. just he's a bit, oh, I don't like him. So um, yeah, so Gary said ref ruins the match. Um, Dan said two red cards. Andrew was um, Darren Deadman sucks. Um, <laughs> and then um, Trev was Darren, um, Deadman is A. And then um, Dale was very brave effort. So yeah, obviously referee kind of ruined the show, but um Town fans pr- not too despondent, kind of pleased with the performance in the second mm. half. And yeah, let's move on to Fleetwood, I guess. Yeah, we'll move on to Fleetwood. As you say, the only real news we've got to cover in South News this week is some of the changes on Radio Shropshire this week, which obviously I've been at the games recently, but first time I'd really noticed the sort of changes that are going on. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on to talking about that very quickly and anything else we can think of, and then uh, we'll probably wrap this one up quite quickly, Ollie. So uh, yeah, we'll go on to Salad Media News, as you described it. Good turn by Ryan Woods. Chance to get the ball across as well. It's into the centre and headed in from close range by Tom Bradshaw. And just two minutes gone, Shrewsbury have taken the lead. So, Salop News. Um, we just wanted to have a quick chat in with Ollie about some of the changes at Radio Shropshire now. They're sort of covering Shrewsbury and, and Telford United, I guess. Because um, obviously, we briefly were talking about how we have a, a certain section of fans that go to most of the away games and, and they don't really listen to Radio Shropshire. They probably do home and away. But there is a big percentage of Shrewsbury Town fans that don't make away games. And like myself on Saturday, you know, they get all of their information of what's happening at the game and, and have to listen to sort of Shropshire United for two hours on a Saturday afternoon. It's quite interesting, Ollie, because I don't know if you know this now, or you, I think I briefly told you, that they've changed it now. So previously, you used to have Adam Green in the studio that did a, did a good job of covering sort of both sides of the, the Shropshire football pyramid, you know, Telford and Shrewsbury, and, and mixing it in between yeah. and doing it. But he appears to have gone now, Adam Green, I mentioned that last week. And so it seems to me that what they'll do now is they'll cover... Um, Shropshire United live from either Telford or Shrewsbury on alternative weeks, which one is a bit daft because one's a football league club and one's a, a football a northern conference team. So surely, yeah. surely you should be coming from Shrewsbury more often than not. But anyway, that's Shropshire. Yeah, that's that's what's one thing, isn't it? The percentage split <laughs> yeah. seems to be a bit of it skewed. Um, it should be a bit more Shrewsbury. Yeah. But, um, anyway. Telford United get some of the best coverage on BBC Radio for a non-league club. You name another yeah. non-league club that get that sort of coverage. Maybe Boston United, maybe. But anyway, they, they're lucky with that. But the other thing they seem to have done is switched over their presenters or their, their co-commentators um, because Telford had previously had Steve Humbles or Steve Mumbles as I recorded when he first started but he's actually got quite better now. Um, and then they used to have Nick Southall who was doing the Telford games as a co-commentator. 
whilst we've obviously got the, the great Dunny, and um, we'd had Mark Elliott up until recently. But it seems that we'll now be swapping Mark Elliott and Nick South all over on alternative weeks. And this is just from sort of reading some things on Twitter. So I, I tuned in the radio on Saturday and was quite surprised to find Mark not doing his co-commentary. And we've, we've said on the podcast how he's been fantastic this season, hasn't he, Ollie? Some of the things he's had to say and how spot on he's been. Is, yeah. So it's a shame we're going to be losing him on alternative weeks. But I got to listen to Nick uh, Southall, and it's the first time I've ever really listened to him as a co-commentator. And I've got to say, on first impressions, he seems pretty good, to be honest with you, Ollie. And I know you'll get a chance to listen to him at some point. But, um, yeah, he was in terms of actual during the match and um, the sort of ways that he was reflecting what was going on on the pitch, and he was, he was quite funny and seemed to have a good rapport with Dunny. So, first thing I'd say is I think, although we've lost Mark, it seems like Nick's going to do a pretty good job going forward. So that's that's a positive, at least for Radio Shops, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. But... Um... Um, yeah, it just seemed a bit. It just Adam was good, and Adam was also very good at kind of managing all the different tweets, was you know, all the different messages, and kind of being able to you knew what what which side he was talking about. So yeah, yeah. it's um it's interesting they've cut. But I know there's one thing you wanted to talk about, wasn't there about half time? Yeah. So so the other thing I'll quickly talk about Nick Nick uh, Southall. He he gave us a shout out, Ollie. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, he, did. Um, okay. He said that he'd used Salop Cast to get up to speed with Shrewsbury Town because obviously it was the first time he'd done the co-commentating for the Salop. So. Yeah, you mentioned us, and and they were talking about it in um, the context of talking about the goalkeepers and the conversation we had last week about Halstead and Lutweiler. So there you go. We've even got the the, the mainstream media listening now, Ollie, <laughs> and, to, and t- paying attention to what's going on. Which brings me to my next point, which is we have a podcast, and we find it we find it hard to cut this down to less than an hour every week, don't we? We're passionate about Shrewsbury Town, um, and all right, not everything we talk about is golden, <laughs> but it's it's our passion, it's our football club, and and we want to kind of bring to other people that are not making the games, or people who are exiles, or even fans that go every week, you know, another view because it enables you to understand the fan base a bit better in general. But and I know they've been doing it for a while, but I cannot understand or get my head around why in a in, in a sports show you're playing music at half time. You've got fifteen minutes to fill, right? I can't. We can't. We could fill fifteen minutes. Just us. You know what I mean? It, why? Why are they doing it? And I, I. And it just seems to befuddle me a little bit. And to play music at halftime just seems like a little bit of a. We've given up now. Apparently, the reason for it is is because now they're presenting from the ground. They now need to give their guys at both the grounds a chance to go and get something. You know, go to a loo or have a drink at halftime. So they've got to play like something. But wouldn't you think it would make more sense to pre-record a, a five-minute interview with Paul Hurst or the Telford manager even, or something sports-related in Shropshire? It wouldn't have to be football. And just play that instead of a song, which has no bearing or reflection on anything. It was supposed to like pump you up for the second half. Do you know what I mean? That's not what people want to listen to if they're at home and listening to football. They want they want to be invested in their sport and think that Radio Shropshire are paying due care and attention to the things that they're passionate about, not listening to some crappy song. I don't know. I I found it intensely frustrating on Saturday. Yeah, I think it is annoying. Um especially when they used to have a presenter, I used to think that it was a bit of a missed opportunity that they didn't use, you know, Adam getting messages from fans mm. or talking about scores, you know, even talking about scores around the, you know, there's, there's another, um, you know, there's a huge bunch of games going on in the country. They could talk about anything. And it, yeah, I always find it frustrating. It's a bit of a shame that they um, don't do something at half time. And I normally turn it off because the music is normally pretty atrocious as well. My mum my said that as well, Ollie. She said, I'll turn it off at half time because it's just nonsense. But, um, to be fair, though, you get Donny's little pre-match sort of half-time summary and, and that's okay. And then after that, you don't really want to hear about Telford, so you can turn off. Yeah, but, the commentary stuff, we're not criticising no. the commentary and stuff. It's just the same that they can't use that time in the middle to yeah, to do something. Of it. And, and they used to do a thing, which is one of the reasons I got interested in doing podcasts back in the day, is they used to do the, the sort of match fan of, fan of the day feature. Do you remember that? I don't know if you ever did it. So you'd get... Oh, yeah, I've done it. So I've used to do that quite a few yeah. times. Um, I've done that. It was brilliant. Times. I used to enjoy doing that. And, and you know, you used to be able to sort of go on pre-match 
and then he used to get called up at half time, so he'd go down to one of the concourses and give the fan yeah, view. Yeah, try and find a quiet space yeah. if possible. And then they used to, and sometimes I, I used to get let around into the press box and sit and do the, the bit next to Stu Dunn and, and, and Mark Elliott or his, whoever it was previous to that, Steve Cross or whatever. But um, they stopped doing that about two seasons ago, and that was good because if you go to tell fan a Shrewsbury fan talking at half time, that filled up about seven, eight minutes, and you didn't, you wouldn't need to play a song. So I wish no. they'd bring that back. You know, it's not that hard to organise, surely. I, I guess it depends on how it fits in with their logistics now, and that might be the difference. But I would say this, Ollie. Right, here's an open challenge to Radio Shropshire. If you want some audio to play at half time, feel free to go for our podcast and cut out something relevant to play instead of music. I'd ra- I'd rather that it was something football or content related. So there we go. We'll, we can, we'll, we can talk prices. <laughs> how, much do, how, much, how much a week do you think it's worth, Ollie? I wouldn't like to say because it's pretty. It's a pretty damn good podcast. But no, I don't know. We have to try and do, have to do some um, yeah, do some market research. But yeah. uh, but no, it'd be interesting to see what 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 their what their thoughts were on that. And um, yeah, it's a shame, Adam. And had to move on because he would have been the perfect guy to kind of link all that together. But um, yeah, I said I'd find out where he'd gone by. I, never, I don't know. I think he, oh, I presume he's moved on somewhere else in the BBC. But yeah, he, he was good. I think hopefully we will gone to do other things. But there we go. That was my my only thing really. I picked up from sort of this week is uh, sort of the changes at Radio Shropshire and, and my frustrations with music during a, a show. I think they sometimes they play it like on a Tuesday night. It's even worse than music. So if you're listening to it on Tuesday night, Ollie, good luck with that, mate. But um, there we go. I think that's all we've got in South News. We couldn't think of anything is, yeah. relevant, as, uh, extra that's happened this week, could we? No, so we'd probably be interested to how much time we filled there talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we probably did 15 but, uh, minutes on Radio Shropshire. Yeah, so anyway, let's probably um, probably um, let's leave Shropshire Radio alone. Let's <laughs> talk about the predictions. So it was a good week for you, Glenn. You got one right. Did I? Ah, oh, finally. There yeah. you go. I could, tell my, yeah, I could finally for... tell my mum. <laughs> I've done well. <laughs> yeah, you went... You went for a two-one victory to Sheffield yeah, United, like that, yeah. um, which means that we're now um, eleven sixteen. Yes. So I told you, you know, I told you, I was trying to give you a bit of a, a prep talk. You know, <laughs> it's the long way to go yet. So you um, were overly optimistic so moving, looking at two-two, looking back a week later, aren't you? Yeah, I, well, I was, but well, I don't know. Well, second half, if we if we'd done that in the first half, we never know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so should we do the Port Vale game? Yes, go on. Um, so what do you want to go for? I've written down what I'm going to go for already. Um, what, what do you reckon? Port Vale at home. Uh, so I think it will be... I, I think we'll be hurting. It, it's it's tricky to predict this game, isn't it, Ollie? Because you'd yeah. like to know what's happening on Tuesday night for the Fleetwood game first, wouldn't you? Does, does that make yeah. sense? So yeah, you've, got, you've kind of got to predict what's going to happen on Tuesday night before you can think about Saturday. So I think on Tuesday we, we might go and get a draw at Fleetwood. Um, and if we get a draw at Fleetwood, I think we'll we'll be desperate for the win, but we might end up drawing again against Port Vale and only getting two points. So I'll go for us to maybe draw... I, I fancy to get some goals. I'll go for a 2-2 draw at home to Port Vale. Okay. Okay. And you can probably see what I've written there. I can. But I've gone for 2-1. I think we're going to win. <laughs> Good. I'm confident. Good. Well, hopefully you're right. I mean, I, I think you know, there's a good chance of us winning at home to Port Vale, but they're having a good season. That's why I tempered my... Um, tempered my enthusiasm towards how we'll do next Saturday but yeah it's going to be an interesting game that because Port Vale games come with everything else that's tied up with it don't they of the the local derby Vale will bring a lot there'll be there'll be sort of the vociferous atmosphere that you generally get a Port Vale game there'll be more security there so it's going to be um, a little bit more than just the regular league game isn't it and something that maybe might open Port Hurst size up to sort of how passionate town and town fans and local rivals get so that'll be an interesting interesting game all round won't it yeah, it will. It'll be a it'll be a, t- a tasty one, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get the get the result and start climbing at the table. Mm. If we don't, it's gonna yeah, it's going into going into December. Um, it's gonna be uh, December's gonna be a crucial month for us. Yeah, and um, before obviously we get the chance to sign some more players. Yeah. But um, so so we sh- we should just move on talking about obviously the next few weeks now on the podcast and how my terrible run of not being able to attend games is is gonna finally come to an end. So 
I'm going to actually be at Fleetwood Ollie because I'm obviously up north as we've talked about in the podcast I work up there most of the week so Fleetwood's only a short journey for me on Tuesday night so I shall be at Fleetwood and I'm I think you're going to be at Port Vale as well aren't you I'm going to be there yeah so I will have a two games then there's the FA Cup game and then, yeah, then there's the FA Cup game at Fleetwood again yes and I'm going to be at that as well so oh that's good I'm back in the, back in the game now which is good and we what do, about Millwall yes Millwall the way though isn't it yeah, yeah. I'm tempted by that no sure some of my friends were trying to get away. me to go because I've never been to Millwall and they wanted to go down no, but nor me. it's a long way and it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one to get to and it's a long time and with Christmas coming up I don't know whether I'll be able to make that one but we'll try and find someone that does go and then we'll try and get them on as a guest um, I think we'll probably get a guest next week as well because um, we know a few lads that are going to the games next week that, that want to help us so yeah. We should be able to get a third voice next week. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to... It will be my first Paul Hurst game, so I'm looking forward to seeing the changes on the pitch. Really? Well, yeah, I said, well, yeah, I said this last week, didn't I? Exactly, yeah, yeah. you've been away. You have, it just kind of puts into context how f- you, you're just a bit of a fair-weather fan. So yeah. <laughs> time flies when you're incredibly busy at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, Ollie. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been stuck on doing all sorts of different things on Saturdays, and I never normally work Saturdays, and then... I have loads to do this Saturday with the kids and, and I think one of the tricky things not to explain it is but there must be lots of people who are like this is that you, you work away from home and you know you get back especially if you've got a family and, and it's very difficult even being a completely passionate football fan and I've done seasons where I didn't miss games you know what I mean home and away all the conference season and the year before that but when you when you get involved and you've got a family it, it is very difficult to justify not seeing your kids and your wife when you've been away all week so I have to I have to balance it home games are easy but you know away games yeah, it's, it's a whole day or I just take the kids with me like I normally do and that, that works out Okay. I know, I know what you mean. It's um, it is difficult. I, with um, I travel a lot with work, often away in Europe or away in London, mm. and yeah, it's, hard, it's a bit harsh to say, yeah, I'm going off there <laughs> for Saturday. But um, it's funny you mentioned actually one of Shrewsbury's greatest um, days. Uh, my dad had been away all week, and we were thinking of going to the Exeter away game when Mickey Brown scored Mickey Brown, to stay up. And um, yeah, we didn't go because my dad had been away all week. Oh, I no. remember seeing my dad after the game saying, and my dad just looked at me and was like, yeah, okay, we should have gone. <laughs> that could be a good one, actually. I was, I was just while well, we're on it and we're talking about things for the future podcast, I was thinking about um, things we can do, like extra episodes and stuff. And one of them is like the games you, we wish you'd never missed or, you know, things like that. So we've got a lot of things in the, the greatest the, game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we should maybe do some Christmas specials. Yeah, maybe. And we've got a bit more time. God, there's, there's enough football to talk about over Christmas, Ollie. That's the thing. There's games come from left, yeah, right, centre, isn't there? So, um, We'll have to see how busy we are and uh, opening our Christmas presents and getting new getting new Shrewsbury Town shirts. That's normally the way it works. So, um, so there we go. So yes, we should yep. be back next week. My daughter will have been mascot as I talked about last week. So I should maybe get some gossip from behind the scenes, Ollie. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And uh, yes, if we, they let you in, yeah, well, exactly. And um, <laughs> I haven't said anything this week that will annoy the football club. So <laughs> there's a positive, isn't there, <laughs> for the for the yeah. cast. But um, yes, we shall. Uh, See everyone last week. Thanks. Uh, just we should just say thanks to everyone who listened last week. It was a really well um, listened to episode. Um, obviously, we had Sam on as an extra guest last week, so I think that the we were talking about how well having a third voice went down, and I think it, it went down pretty well, didn't it, Ollie? So we'll... yeah, we did some we had some good positive comments, and also just we haven't said this for a while as well. We'd encourage people to follow us on Twitter. Yes. There's actually quite a, there's quite a lot of. Um, like a um, lot of interesting discussion going on on Twitter over the last few weeks. So if you want to follow us on Twitter at Salopcast, um, and there's a lot of interesting fans and people send us stuff, and there's quite a lot of discussion going on there. So it's a it's a good um, good place as well. So yeah, yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it'd be be cool to get a few more followers. Yeah, just so everyone knows, Ollie runs the Twitter account, don't you, for Salopcast? And I, I generally I've got an old blue, the Blue and Amber fanzine account, which is Blue underscore and underscore Amber, um, which is where I sort of chirping with so if you see two people chirping along it's normally me and ollie on our twitter accounts so yeah get involved in the discussion it helps all helps us build up what we're talking about on the podcast and uh, yeah. yeah trying to represent what the fans are thinking and, and give everyone a little bit of a view of what's going on so cheers for listening everyone ollie your phone's okay. just gone off cheers. you're obviously needed 
No, I'm no, no, no phone no, going on me. my head. Must be, oh, it's mine. No. Oh, there we go. I must, be, I must be needed. I'll have to have a look what that was. But yes, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yes, yep. catch you next week. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, bye. bye.